Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and the jolliest snowman of all, Nick Protopapis. Ah, uh, I'm not a jolly snowman, Joe. I'm actually, I'm very, today was an upsetting day. Today was like the depressing beginning of a Christmas movie before the Christmas spirit overwhelms our hero character and uh, uh, reignites him with passion. Joe, I today, am so sorry to hear that, Nick. Today, I got two shots and no stickers. Being an adult is... Very difficult. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> they give you stickers? Well, yeah, they used to give me stickers when life was good. Now- I don't remember getting, like, a lollipop. I don't remember getting... Why would you get a sticker? Well, I don't know. Stickers are fun. What's your problem? Lollipops are way better as rewards for a child than, than a sticker. What are you going to do with a sticker? I'm, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. They had these rolls. Like, it was like a paper towel roll of stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, you could like roll them out and like pick a cool one, and it would be a nice big circle sticker. Stickers are Nick, Nick, what kind of what kind of cool stickers could they possibly have? You're talking about like a star or a square, like no, like no, not a star or a square, Joe. Characters from movies, okay? Oh, oh yeah. So like the the guy from The Incredibles like, is he yeah, there? Like Mister Incredible, and uh, <laughs> and like Nemo from the movie Finding Nemo. Th- those two guys. How do you, how do you pronounce that? Nemo? That's not how that's pronounced. Yeah, I know. I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, some characters like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't understand because you're one of those children who, who, who really only understood temporary pleasure. But stickers are like for smart kids that understand that, that that'll bring them long-term pleasure. So you're arguing that a lollipop is temporary pre- pleasure, right. but a sticker is long-term pleasure. That's correct. That is what I, I mean. How can you argue against that? I mean, I can argue against that pretty easily. <laughs> when in your life have you received? When in your life have you received a sticker and thought about it for more than a minute tops? Oh, oh, okay. I'm Joe. I'm not, Joe. You're you're an adult man. <laughs> you try to tell me that you don't have stickers on your laptop? I do. Aha! <laughs> therefore, you are valuing them for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay. Stickers are good for putting on your laptop. Yeah, the problem is that kids are dumb, and they put them on their shirt and stuff instead of, you know, right. keeping them. Okay. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. So if I got a sticker, I mean, I saw the stickers there, you know? That's mm-hmm. the worst part. Did you... Did you dare ask? No, I didn't dare ask. (laughs) The courtesy is that they 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 give you this. They impart the sticker upon you after the shot. Nick, you we were talking before the show, and you were telling me that your doctor was a very nice man, Uh, and I think that you could have really just gone for it and asked for the sticker. I I mean I guess you're right, but it was just it's too embarrassing. I mean, what I really should have done, I think I think a better plan than yours. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't have the foresight for, but next time I think I will. Is that doctors leave the room a lot, and there's not a lot to do in that time. <laughs> wait, 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 Nick. Yeah, let me pitch you a power move. I steal the sticker. Is the power move? No, no, no. You, you like, you, so, you, so you're done with the doctor's appointment. He's yeah. given you the vaccinations. Yeah. You shake hands. You go on your merry way. But before you leave the room, you walk over to the table with the stickers. You just take the whole thing. Like the whole thing, dude. That's evil. It's like it's like the kids on Halloween who take the entire bowl. You're one of those kids who doesn't understand sharing. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of kid, Joe? I just, 
throw your entire entire childhood in front of me just now. You I mean, no, no, Nick. Pleasure. So, always take the candy. So here's the thing. Originally, I was not going to say that you take like the whole sheet of stickers. I was originally going to suggest that you you would just take like one or two, just peel them yeah. out of the book. Yeah, this is um, my plan. But that, but then I realized if if you're like going for this power move at all, then obviously you need to take all of them. No, the power move, Joe, is not to wait until the end of the appointment. It's to wait in the middle when they go somewhere. Put okay. the sticker on. That's not a power the- move, Joe. Wait. Put the sticker on on your chest in the middle of your chest. <laughs> When they come back, they know what you've done. <laughs> the doctor will say something snippy like, I see you found Nemo. And then um, <laughs> after that will be completely awkward. But ne- next time I will steal it. Because next time I know what's up, I know that I'm not getting any. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds like I got stickers last year or something. I just haven't been to the doctors in a while. <laughs> last time I went, I received a sticker. Right, it's like the you dentist. were young enough. <laughs> Just like the dentist, you don't get the you don't get the fun things anymore. Do they not give you like the nope. the toothbrush? That's Joe. In what world is a toothbrush fun? <laughs> Nick, every time I go to the dentist, I get a toothbrush and a yeah, little thing of toothpaste. I'm talking about the sticky hands, obviously. Right. The what? Joe, the rubber sticky hands that you fling around. I have no idea what you're talking about. We have to stop delving into your childhood here, Joe. <laughs> I'm not getting paid on the hour. Okay. No sticky hands. Nick, I've got a I've got a thing for you today. Please, I think we need to be done with this. You're, you're I think I think now. we do. Nick, my thing for you this week, uh, as it often is, is a comic book by our friend Gene Lunyang. Oh, whoa! Is it Dragon Hoops? No, it's actually two comic books. Is it Turtle Hero? It's Boxers and Saints. Ah, oh, Boxers and Saints. Should have gone with the with the with the OG guess. Yeah. All right. Tell me about Boxers yeah. and Saints. So this is an interesting one uh, because I think it's probably one of the last Gene Yang books that I've never read before. Because uh, you know I read many of them when I was a child. Uh, I think we cleared up a lot of them when we did that Avatar comic book marathon last year, um, and so this is one of the last. Uh, one of the last new Gene Lunyang experiences for me. Okay. Um, and here's the deal with Boxers and Saints. Uh, these are these are two comics uh, that tell sort of parallel stories of China in the late 19th century. One about in in uprising against Christian missionaries from Europe, um, and the other about people who've been converted uh, by those Christian missionaries, and they sort of converge at the end. Um, and so what you get are these uh, two pretty cool and, and insightful, like parallel narratives about uh, faith and extremism and colonization and stuff. You know, all, all those things that Gene Lin Yang likes to write about. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think this is probably one of his uh, stronger attempts in an already very strong body of work. One of the things that I, I, I really like about this book um, and something that, you know, is present in his other books, um, just as much, but I think goes maybe underappreciated, um, is that he's a really funny writer. <laughs> um, like in this book, uh, in, in Boxers, which I think is probably the one I'd suggest you read first. Um, there's like this kid who's like the son of a dentist, um, 
and and he just goes around playing games with the leftover teeth um and and when the main character doesn't want to like play with him anymore um and is like walking away to do more important plot things um the kid with the teeth just like holds them up and and very earnestly says but i just got these new molars um anyway i think that's hilarious <laughs> yeah i think you're right he's he's pretty funny in a sort of you know all all the best things were you know some sort of stories like just very well written and the, the comedy sort of comes in natural moments um that sounds like that that's funny yeah i think you know often his humor is like a a, a bit more geared towards kids um just cuz i think he you know he tends to write ya um i think level up which i talked about a few weeks ago is also probably one of his funnier books uh like that has a lot of uh jokes that i sort of are glued in my brain for some reason or another um anyway uh so so this book i think uh you know maybe does a lot of similar like narrative tricks to american born chinese um where, where yang sort of has us get inside the character's heads through through uh visual abstraction uh where you're not quite sure you know uh in part because it's a historical narrative um you know, you're being shown things that probably didn't actually have, you know, definitely didn't actually happen. Um, but uh, give us a lot of insight into the characters and how they view the world. Um, and the two main characters in, in both books um, both sort of interact with with uh, uh, kind of mythical godlike figures in some way. Um, like the, the girl who's uh, like recruited by the Christian missionaries. Uh, like she ends up having these visions of, of Joan of Arc. Um, and I, I, I think that's like a really fun trick here. Um, and I think, I, I think really sells you on the characters in these stories. Um, you know, the, the other crazy thing about this one is that it's definitely Jin Yang's most violent book. Um, a lot of the characters here, especially in boxers do some really terrible things. Um, and, and he sells you so well on the emotional journey of it all. It never feels uh, gratuitous. It always feels earned. Um, and, and even then there's, there's a lot of these um, just great, uh, uh, like almost classic little quiet moments that really help you understand the characters and the conflict they're in. Um, and I, I would, in general, I think I'd recommend this book to, to anyone who wants uh, sort of a new a new Jin Yang book, even though I think at this point it's almost 10 years old, um, or just wants to learn about like that little period in history. Um, I think it's really cool, and I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, I, I've actually I read those, I think, a while ago, and from what I remember, it's sort of the, the quintessential, you know, it's sort of like American-born Chinese where it's like, he's kind of in his element. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is, it's like some of his earlier stuff too, where he's like, yeah, this is the book I want to write. Like I want to write about this. Um, and does he do the art too? He does. Yeah. Okay. So that's sort of unique, you know, in, in his earlier work. Um, and then a little later on, it, it sort of feels like he, he did these, which are just so good and legendary. And then it was like, well, what do I do now? And like, did some other great stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this in a lot of ways feels like, the story he wanted to tell this in american board chinese um yeah i think aside from dragon hoops which is like literal autobiography i think they're probably his most personal stories um at least to me like level up feels removed from like 
from him to some extent. Um, I, I I could totally be wrong. Uh, and Avatar obviously is like uh in in Superman are like owned by other companies. Um, so I think you're definitely right in that these are stories that that read to me as like the the closest to him. Yeah, and I mean they're pretty legendary too. I think they're really great comics. Um, you know, another thing to say is that he kind of he kind of proposes his own art later. Um, I mean, all the time, like in interviews and stuff, I've heard him, you know, kind of shit on his own art. But I, I, I actually really like it in these books. Um, yeah, he's. Um, I think he's wrong about that. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I think he's, you know, it's he draws in a very like simple, uh, very cartoonified style. But yeah. I think it, it's very effective at selling you on the emotion of a scene and and on like the, you know, because the characters are drawn so simply. Um, like oftentimes there will only be like a few lines of differentiation between a different character. Uh, but I think he really makes those count. Um, like, like, you know, this is a book drawn in an incredibly simple style with many characters and you can tell all of them apart so easily. And I think that's impressive in its own right. Yeah. I was going to say that I liked it and that he, he shouldn't poo poo himself so hard. Um, yeah, sorry. I agree. <laughs> That's kind of it. Like, I just, I, I do like his art. Um, and I think that it is really nice in, in these books. Mm-hmm. Have you, um, have you read Dragon Hoops yet? I think that, I think that Dragon Hoops is sort of my Yang book that I have, I've yet to check out. It's sort of the last one for me, like, uh, like these were for you. Yeah. I, I really think you should check it out. It's probably my favorite comic of the year. Nick, do you have a thing for me? Joe, my thing for you, as as I'm sure you're not surprised by, is The Mandalorian season two. Oh no. <laughs> I've been I've been holding out for eight weeks not talking about it. Because at first I knew you'd be you'd be pretty negative and I, I kinda wanted to get into the juicier plot things. And then I just just waited the whole thing out because I was excited about other things. Um and yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to to shout out to the Mandalorian because I I really as you know I do not think it's the best show ever. We might have talked about it before. I don't quite remember. Um, I think we did last year when okay. the first. Well, came whatever out. I said then, I probably agreed with. Where it was like it was okay, um, but coming into the season, I was just like really excited to get some more Star Wars in my veins and just have something going on. Especially the weekly thing, I, I really enjoy. Um, and you weren't watching at the beginning of the season. I know you you jumped in later. But it started off kind of like episodic and sort of silly, almost like very, very side adventure. Um, and everyone is everyone on the internet and in real life also was like, "Ah, this is dumb. This is just like dumb season one." Um, but I was happy, and I was happy the whole time because <laughs> I don't really think the Mandalorian's quality television. I just think it has a really, really high production. It's Star Wars. It's got Baby Yoda. And it's the most entertaining, has been the most entertaining part of my week for eight weeks. Um, because it's just like, what's going to happen, you know? It, it was like watching Game of Thrones or anything else that's super popular for me. It's just like, there's always something to talk about, no matter if it's really dumb or really exciting. Or, mm-hmm. hey, did I did I talk about Baby Yoda eating those eggs at one point? Have I talked you about You did, that? yeah. We talked about that on the show. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. It just got cool Star Wars moments, you know? The plot kind of uh slugs on 
as as Mandalorian tries to find the Jedi to take to take Yoda away from baby Yoda away from him. Um, and at first, there's like these side adventures with super silly like characters. They did a Dune Worm in the beginning, um, and then it sort of slowly wraps up into more plot heavy stuff through episodic like character reveals, basically. It's like, oh, it's remember Bo-Katan from the Clone Wars? Here she is, like, <laughs> set up. And then it's like, oh, remember Ahsoka? Everybody loves Ahsoka. Oh, here she is. Uh, sorry, spoilers, but whatever. Like, uh, I think that's one that everybody knows. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just like a Star Wars roller coaster. With every every episode, it's going to like make me awe and gasp in some way. Um, and I think it held up to that, <laughs> even at the end. Um yeah, there was actually some good episodes near the end of the season, like quality writing, some character stuff even, which it doesn't normally have. Uh, it <laughs> ended in a in a in a dumb character reveal way that was super entertaining to watch as a Star Wars person, but but not actually good. Um, and I just I just want to take a moment to appreciate things that are kind of dumb but super fun to watch. Um, I I think I agree with you. Um... You know, I, I I think I've probably been outspoken on this show before about how I don't like this show very much. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I don't like how it's sort of structured like a video game where he like unlocks a new power up in every episode. It is exactly like that. It's so funny. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like how, you know, after 16 episodes of this show, we don't really know all that much about the main character. Right. Um, character stuff. But... I did like episode seven of this season. I thought it was, um, it gave us actually a lot of insight into uh, uh, the Mandalorian himself. I think it, it kind of portrayed what I would like an ideal version of this show to be, yeah. um, which is, you know, uh, about people in the Star Wars universe, uh, you know, living after the war. And what's that like? You know, because clearly something didn't work because we know in the in the sequel trilogy there there's a new empire that shows up the first order um and i'm 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 interested in that but i also don't know how interested the show is in portraying that uh seems like not at all since it's a, it's a video game um yeah <laughs> no i think i think that joe comments like that are actually the wrong way to think about it i think that you <laughs> I, I got swept up too man i was like man this is actually kind of good <laughs> Um, and then the last episode, you know, kind of disappointed in that manner. I it became all, the same thing that the show exactly. had always so, been up to that point. Exactly. So I think we all need to take a moment and just, just when something good like that happens, you know, like a good episode, a well-written episode, just forget about it. Just don't worry about it. One <laughs> time you get caught up and disappointed, you just, you just kind of live in the moment, you know, and just like, ooh and awe at those character reveals, because that's all we got. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I do actually agree with what, what you were saying earlier about sort of uh, the strengths of the social experience of shows like this um, and Game of Thrones and anything else that's super popular. Yeah, Game of Thrones was um, bad the last few seasons. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, you know, I think this show is also structured in a way, maybe it doesn't have like reveals that are as shocking just because like, you know, there are no characters to have reveals with um well i mean so so the reveals in the mandalorian are a character from a movie or a tv show makes an appearance yeah just, um i'm sick you know but the reveals on game of thrones would be like oh this development happened with this character 
but you know they have that element of being based off books, so those mega nerds are are excited. Sure, yeah. I'm 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 just saying that yeah, I, I, I I feel as if uh, I I don't know. I I don't want to diss your recommendation. I think I agree with um everything that you said. No, I recommend it if you just if you like Star Wars, if you if you know if you've seen those movies and you've seen the Clone Wars, you know, then you should watch this because it's fun. Um, if you haven't seen Clone Wars, you should probably do that because that's actually a good show, which is a better <laughs> it's a good show sometimes. It's a good show most of the time. Joe, get out of here. Probably about half the time. Half? Those first two seasons are pretty rough. All right, yeah, but there's an increasing quality. Don't you understand? That is true. You can't say half. You you know, you can't say, you know, you know what I'm saying, man. No, Nick, Nick, look, I've, I've talked about the Clone Wars before on this show. I've had a lot of good... Con- I've talk. Had- how, wait, how old are kids when they talk? It varies. <laughs> Approximately. I don't know, maybe two? One? You don't know. You don't know as much as I don't know. All right, well, if a two-year-old <laughs> starts talking, and then you oh, it talks most of the time. No, it doesn't talk most of the time. It just used to not talk, and now it does. It's like that. Yeah, that's true. Anyways. I don't know. I mean, I also just watched, like, Star Trek The Next Generation, I just finished that, and that's a show that, like, also about half the episodes are terrible, so... <laughs> Pretty cool. Love shows like that. Keeps you on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to... I have to You're... a good moment to mention. I need to make an amendment for our listeners out there. Oh, okay. The ending of Battlestar Galactica sucks donkey t- Like, it's awful. It is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> One of the worst endings of anything I've ever seen in my entire life, and I didn't know that, but... I, now I have to. T- I have an obligation to tell you. Okay, Nick. I think we've veered off course significantly. Uh, do you want to move on to our main thing this week? Yeah, let's. Uh, today, Nick, we're talking about uh, Black Sad Volumes Four and Five: A Silent Hell and Amarillo. Um, so I was thinking that we could sort of split this up by talking about each book individually, since I think they're pretty different. I, I agree. Uh, the last one, I would have muddled them, the last discussion we had, but this one... Yeah. Let's yeah, let's start with uh, Silent Hell. Yeah. Um, so this... Uh, you know, you, you want to give a, a short summary for the uh, viewers at home? Sure thing. So maybe this was teased in the last book. I don't remember, but uh, Black said his buddy Weekly, his little sidekick weasel that smells or whatever, um, they're, they got a out <laughs> in New Orleans and... And it's, uh, it's a doozy because um, they're looking for a guy, which is pretty usual. Someone's missing. Uh, and they're talking to the producer of this guy who has a father. like He's a musician, the guy they're looking for. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, sorry. The producer. They're talking to the producer who is a goat. And he is looking for his son figure, who's not actually his son, who's a dog named Lawrence. Nope, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, so, you know, they're going around New Orleans, and it's it's sort of fun because it's a different scene, and like we've talked about, it's a very atmospheric uh, series. So just getting a nice change of scenery, but still, you know, still getting that America vibe. um, It's pretty nice, Um, and it makes the characters and sort of the subject matter too distinctive, especially because this one is is very uh, influenced by the, the music scene. Uh, yeah it's it's set during i think during or either just after mardi gras as well 
That's right. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's sort of like the last books were maybe the last two were sort of had a subject matter they were getting into. Um, you know, this one is really all about. Well, not really. All, mm, I don't know what it's really all about, but there's sort of it is. It is, I think, to a lesser extent, where yeah, like exactly, you know, the 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 previous two books, Arctic Nation uh, and whatever the previous one was called, uh, were about <laughs> Nazism and the Red Scare. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is to a much lesser extent about uh, drugs um, and sort of the the music industry, the music industry, and also kind of how the government has kind of exploited people um yeah medically extent but but still i think you know the the focus of this this particular episode as they call them um um yeah so joe what were your like initial thoughts on this uh i like it um i i don't know if i necessarily like it as much as i like the previous two volumes um but i i i do think you know everything that you were saying stands um, I, I think the, the strength of, you know, every volume of Black Sad is in a new place, um, which pretty much always, um, you know, gives it a distinct visual flair. I, th- I, I think, as usual, uh, the, the most important thing about Black Sad, to some extent, is just how beautiful these comics are. Um, Wanho Arnito is still the artist, um, and he, he draws like these uh really beautiful set pieces that I, I i could honestly look at for hours um which is you know not something i could say even for most comic book artists um that i love um and that's just because uh, you know I, I i think he was allowed to I, I don't know what um you know comic book publishing is like in spain uh but clearly he spent a long time developing each and every page in this book um and i i think that's uh you know, everything's so lushly illustrated. Um, he, he never skimps on backgrounds and, and every character in set piece has, has so much personality. Um, and he also, you know, pays so much attention to giving a very individual life to like the, the, the street corners and the homes of, of and, and people of every location. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's just so impressive to me. Uh, it's my favorite thing about these books easily. Um, and I could talk about that forever. Yeah, I think, you know, talking about Black Side, we can kind of not avoid talking about this almost too much. Um, just because, like, it really holds everything together and up um, is, is the art. And, yeah, I, I, I got my copy uh, on Google Books. And the one for Silent Hell had, like, maybe 30 more pages of just, like, art direction stuff with, like, a ton of writing. Yeah, mine did too. Okay, sick. Yeah, I wasn't sure. So I I skimmed through that and it was, I didn't read it because it was a lot, but it seemed like very detailed analysis and like, you know, the sort of decisions they made in the process. And I I think I'm pretty interested in that. So I'm going to check that out at some point. Um, But, you know, if if you were looking for a copy of Silent Hell, I would would try to make sure that yours has this sort of thing in the back because it seems sort of definitely worth it in terms of extras. Uh, yeah and they didn't seem to mark up the price or anything so that was pretty sick um yeah i I think that the art has improved i I think that it is better i think that the everything is better basically everything has just improved which is pretty incredible to me um i think mainly the the main noticeable thing for me was just like uh the like the character design was a little more interesting to me maybe that's just because we're in a new place um 
and black sad and the expressions are like almost a little less cartoony but like i don't think that's what i mean i think i mean just more controlled um and i'm i'm really enjoying that i think that that has really has really put put everything together for the art because like it's mm-hmm. not even a problem but like the, like because before i would have said the art was perfect but the difference that i think has improved is sort of like there was some like overly cartoonish faces in the first um that have are now like that but less like imagine the eyebrows and eyes are are less raised and you know less big i, I don't know something about it has, has definitely come across better to me and i think that is just great that's interesting i didn't think i noticed that but i th- I, I think you're you're probably right in that um like we don't get as many more exaggerated characters in this one i think um not the like obvious expressions what i was talking go ahead but okay or like obviously it's exaggerated in the sense that it's it's a comic where the people are animals um but like you know you know the 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 hippo character who's like a rival detective for black set uh i was gonna talk about the hippo because (laughs) he's like my favorite bit of character design in a while like he's just so good and i really like it (laughs) he's great (laughs) He's just like so exactly like he's kind of sweaty, smoking a big cigar. It's like, man, like I know exactly who this guy is just from his stupid hippo character. Like, and like, what a fun animal to make into a humanoid. Like, I feel like I've never seen that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I have in Zootopia or something, but like, whatever, man, I feel like I haven't. Um, And I think we're great. Yeah. I, I, I think that's sort of a, I don't know. That makes me think of a good point, which is that, you know, it it it's it's actually even more impressive to to think that like Arnito has to draw like the, these these caricatured versions of people as animals, and he does it so often in these books. <laughs> like, and everyone looks different. It's it's honestly amazing. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I was gonna say that like in this one, uh, I started noticing, and in the next one that we read too, um that like I started thinking about but also noticing just sort of like differences in characters because of their animals like I I started thinking about things like oh like can can that monkey climb better than other people because there's like acrobats in the next book that are monkeys and I was like oh because they're monkeys um Mm -hmm. and a bit in this one not to get ahead of myself with the hippo still because I love the hippo so much is that the hippo (laughs) shot like three more times like a bunch of times and he's like kind of fine because he's a hippo. Like he's not great, right. but like you know he's like a big rubbery thing. Like, and and I just really really enjoyed that. I was like that makes sense. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's just like a fun little play, and I really liked the development of the world because I think that the world is just so amazing. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Another thing that I think they sort of you know, continued in a way, because they did this sort of a race analogy, not, you know, we talked about it, an Arctic nation. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty much always is. Yeah, they're pretty much always is, but it, it's something that, like, actually, I don't think they're always, I think in the earlier, I think it built, like, in Arctic nation, it's there, and then after that, it's, like, less in that other one. And I mean, it's not, I think in this one, it, it, it comes up. I think Arctic nation 
to some extent establishes that's what's going on in this world. Yeah, I agree. Know that's, I think that's from reading just the first volume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In in Amarillo, it comes up again. Uh, but yeah. yeah, you're right. Sorry, please continue. Uh, basically, I just like that they, you know, despite everything, every book being sort of focused on one, you know, aspect of the nation, uh, things like that continue. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was a great little world building thing. And I really, I, I don't know if I fully understand it yet, but like, I feel like there was a better, not a better, but in any given scene, I can obviously tell what's going on with like racial implications, but you know, obviously it's a little hard to tell, tell if it's based on color entire, like I, things like that are a little, still a little confusing, but I feel like they came across well. And I'm just glad they're continuing that, that beat. Yeah. And in the next book, there's like, a parrot who I think we're supposed to read as white, but he's like red. <laughs> and like, what does that mean? Parrot. And many colors. He's a, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I like that scene. I thought it was very funny. Um, yeah. And I think it also, yeah. you know, it, it, it helps humanize black sad. Um, in, in like, you know, obviously he's always humanized cause he's our point of view, but sometimes he can feel just a bit generic and like seeing him kind of put up with contention in that way um yeah 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 i think you're right i think black side is a little little more developed here not 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 hugely um but there's there's little moments that make him feel a little different from the first few books but a little more like interesting like like uh, i think in the in the beginning of silent hell he says something like oh like you got to put up the character to the clients of uh sort of rugged detective you know that's what they want to see i thought that was really interesting um and then in the next one and in this one, and in all the ones before, he's very—he's a very noble person, a very noble hero. And whereas yeah. before Armario, I was like, oh, like, like he's—he's—he's he's, he's that way. At the end of the day, he's kind of the dark noir character, and then at the end of the day, he does the right thing. Um, in, in there was this, a bit of a shift in these two, where I felt he was sort of in a more uh, present and annoying way, very noble, sort of like more Captain America, you know, that direction, I guess. Um, and I think that's a good direction. I think that is that's fine and that's good, and um, you know, it allows him to break the mold a little and humanize him a little more, especially when we, you know, meet his family. Now he has more friends. Um, I think that helped to make him feel more like a real person and, and someone we like in this world, not just our vessel. Yeah, I think you know, mostly he is still a vessel. Like him and Weekly are just you know going from town to town and giving us a perspective through which to see the stories of whichever other characters they introduce. But I think you're, you're definitely right in that his portrayal has uh, changed in those ways. Yeah. There's little moments that make us like in the Mario in the beginning or yeah, he's at the beginning. He weekly is like, ah, oh, you would be a good photographer. Bah, 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 bah. And he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and then he like has a camera, like that's, that's little, it's not the focus of the book at all, but it's, yeah, it helps us to like cute moments like that. You could call them cute moments. Yeah. Um, so we, we've we've gotten you know away from this, uh, but when we were talking about the art, I wanted to mention one thing I was thinking of, which is a complaint, and it mostly happens in a silent hell. Okay. Um, and and it, I don't know if it matters to me too much. Um, but there there are some really bizarre instances of like some amateurish like speech balloon placements in this one. Um. And I think they sort of direct the eye poorly throughout the page. Um, I I don't know if that happened because of like the translation or what, uh, but it's it's, it's that, distracting to me. That break up, they sort of end up in the gutters. 
Yeah, there there are um there are pages. I'm I'm thinking particularly of the scene where the hippo guy shows up and it happens again several pages later. Um where there are balloons from panels that are like several panels ahead um will intrude into the one that you're reading. Um and I think I think to someone who would be like less versed in comics than we are, it would probably lead to them like skipping a panel entirely or being confused about order. Um, and it, 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 it's not a huge problem to me, but it's like this one like weird discordant part of a, a, a otherwise, I think, a very thoughtfully crafted book. I actually disagree completely. I, I don't think it breaks up the page. Like, I, I don't think you would get confused. I, I really don't. I think okay. although they're sometimes in odd places and there was one uh, odd layout too that I'm thinking of when he goes into the bar uh, where the heroin is, is being sold, you know, with the horse and the camel. Um, yeah. It's sort of a situation where the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I think you do uh, where it's sort of one vertical and two horizontal and the, the top horizontal, this is very annoying. The top horizontal is sort of bleeding over into the, the layer. Above. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, one of the pages I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. That's a little strange, but I, you know, I think that there's almost no way to read that wrong just because it comes across so well, the way that you should be reading it. I, I really disagree. I think that Maybe the the layout you don't like it, but I I don't think that confusing is a valid complaint. I think that okay. it's not. Um, yeah, I actually don't have a problem with it at all. I think it tends to make the pages more alive, and because it's not confusing, I I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, there are some really great um like page turns in this uh like black sad will will uh narrate in one scene about people in the city wearing masks and we cut to the villain who wears a mask um it's i i mean it's it's you know it's it's silly but it's also like it's it's very cinematic um in the same ways that a lot of black sad borrows from kind of american cinematic storytelling techniques yeah no, I think you're right. I think this is a really good flow. I think they're really coming to their into their pace and their their sort of the way they make these books. Um, and at the end of this one, I was like, okay, like another Black Sad book. So I, I guess uh, my one complaint would be that it's getting a little old. Not not quite yet, but I see it. I see it coming. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of have to retract this too when it comes to the next one because they they do mix it up. Um, but to me, while it's super great to look at it and I'll always like enjoy them and read them and that that'll keep it going for me. Like it's, it's not, it's not changing it up and, you know, characterizing things as much as I'd like. It sort of feels like, and what movie thing shall we do today? And like, what cool place shall we check out? You know, this time basically. Um, right. What, what historical context of America will we talk about today? Exactly. Exactly. Instead of like, Hey, like, let's get into these characters. Like what's the, what's the big picture here? Uh, and maybe there's not, and that's okay too. It's just for me and my own interest of this, I think, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm bored with it at all, but I, I see a future where I am bored of it, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm, I, I think I mostly disagree. Um, like, like this is a volume for me um, where I don't think it's as strong as the previous two. Um, but I, I think it's still like very quality black sad. Uh, and, and for me, the black sad formula really works of just like 
well, uh, Weekly and Black Sad are going to go to this place and they're going to, you know, discover uh, some sort of secret conspiracy or mystery um, and they're going to investigate it and it's going to make some sort of incisive social commentary about America. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm sold. And, and to me, it almost, you know, the, the thing that Black Sad reminds me most of uh, is like, you know, a Hardy Boys book where like you pick up, you know, one volume of uh, this mass produced series um, where there are dozens and dozens um, and you can read it on its own. Um, and the, the central characters are not that important. And really the, the, the story that you're getting is what's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how it is. If yeah. I, I don't, like, I don't mean to promote Hardy boys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think we're agreeing about what it is essentially. I just, I'm yeah. interested that, you know, that to me, that's like family guy more than, you know, a story I enjoy. Like I, I understand. I just, it's not my favorite thing. And I, I would think that it's not your favorite thing either. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I would like Black Sad and Weekly to get more character development, but I'm not, I don't know. I guess I'm not itching for it in the same way that you are. Weird. That's, that's very unlike you, Joe. What can I say? Yeah, it is. Why don't you go, I, I, why don't you go watch some Bob's Burgers? <laughs> <laughs> Since you're, you're so unpeen on character development. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I mean, it, I can see it getting old. That's all. Okay. Uh... What else? I mean, um, Silent Hell is is a it's a good plot. I, I think that it it does a similar thing where it's like a lot of information thrown at you, and the plot is sort of like a clue, and then it comes together in an explanation. <laughs> and I I think that works. I think it is fine. I think that actually in this one, I think I prefer it to um, the previous one, whatever that was called with the owl, uh, because. Just like in uh, Arctic Nation, I found the 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 sort of character work on the opposite side, sort of the person we're looking for, uh, more interesting. Uh, like I forgot his name, but the dog and his sort of like his old band and the backstory and the song he performs at the end, I found mm-hmm. a a lovely and surprising um, sort of twist. Not not quite a twist, you know. I wasn't expecting to get so much from it. And I, I found myself really, really enjoying it. Um, yeah. And so I thought that was really great. And I thought that was something that put it probably probably one of my favorites, maybe my favorite um, of these books. Um, and yeah, I hope they do more stuff like that in the future because I thought it was, you know, it, it even more enhances the world. Mm-hmm. I think also, uh, to your point earlier, um, I, I, I do think that, uh, with this and the next volume, they are beginning to uh, sort of carry over developments from one book to, to the next. Um, like, I, I think the events of the third book are, are mentioned in this one, um, and then they come like, then they come up again in Emerio. Um, so I, I, I do think there is continuity there. Uh, there uh, is continuity. It's just slow going. I guess that, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Weekly is showing up. That's continuity. You know, you know. True, yeah. It's not not... Um... Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about Amarillo? Uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead. I mean, I think we talked about sort of the beats we liked. Um, for me, Amarillo was... I'll let you go because I think you'll have more interesting things to say. Um, for me, it was sort of a change of pace to a more car chase type movie, uh, which I've also seen. You know, I'm sure you have too. Uh, old movie like that where the, the detective is chasing someone around and there's like three parties chasing each other around, like the FBI and, you know, the... The, the hero character and there's all these misunderstandings and they pass each other and 
Um, you know, I thought it was fun to change it up a little from the, the classic noir, but there was still a core mystery. Well, no, actually, I don't. I don't think there's a mystery. There's in this no one. mystery. Yeah, that's a lie. Um, there's a core villain. You know, person he's chasing. Whatever. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, that that carries over nicely, and uh, you know, there's cool settings. It's all about America settings and. That's that's fun. For me, it was a very fun one, and it, it, sort of just what I was looking for coming out of Silent Hell, because I read them back to back, it's just like, mm-hmm. just a little change. Like, I needed a little change of pace, and this was exactly, it, it's sort of like, Black Sad starts off the book, he's like, ah, like, gotta get home, like, <laughs> I don't get shot at this time, and I think that is, like, he needs, he needs an easier vacation time, because um, it's coming right off the last book, and that's kind of what it is. Um, for me, it was super fun. I don't know. What did you think? Um, I thought it was fun. Um, I, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I think I'm, it's probably my least favorite volume of black sad. Um, but I think that's probably just because like, unlike you, I wasn't tiring of like the regular detective stories. I wanted more of that. Um, and I, I, I sort of find like a lot of things in this book to be ridiculous and or unrelatable. Um, just like black sad is, chasing this novelist uh who like accidentally killed his brother and then keeps accidentally killing people uh and uh accidentally well sort of that you know you in a moment in moments of passion or purposely <laughs> <laughs> also was that his brother what are you talking about kill his friend wait was that not his brother why would that be his different animals why would that be his brother i was Okay. Uh, it was a bull or buffalo or whatever. Shit! I thought he was another lion. <laughs> what? I. Uh, what are you talking about? You know, maybe clearly uh, everything I have to say about this book is invalidated. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> buffalo does not look anything like a lion. I. You were just talking about how everyone's so distinct. Yeah, I was so sure that that was his brother. That's really funny. I hope they... I'm... <laughs> okay, well, it was his friend. I mean, it works sort of the same way. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. That's okay. If you want to keep <laughs> your, your misguided opinions, go ahead. <laughs> I just feel like everything I was about to say is in... Or, or like everything I could say about this book is invalidated. Everything you were clearly ever continue to say? clearly i wasn't paying enough attention to it <laughs> yeah i mean you got it he does keep accidentally killing people sort of that's not right. yeah i mean i i i guess my thing with this book is I, I i find it very silly um which i think is in part like to some extent the in, intent um like it, it is uh you know more slapstick oriented uh than previous black said books have been that's true. um and i just didn't find it that funny um, like I still, I still like it. I think most of the things that we said about the previous book hold true in terms of the art. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a beautiful sequence at the end where like, there's a, a, a train fight. Um, and, in you know, the, the watercolors here provide a lot more contrast. They're experimenting with, uh, kind of different colors than we normally see in the book. It's a lot more vibrant. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Um, you know, I, I, I still like this book. I, it's just, like, not my favorite thing. Yeah, for me, it was just, I think I already said it, but it's, it's fun to see different things going on, and I, I think you're right. I think I think maybe what you're trying to say, and something I pick up on, too, is just, like, 
what is this book saying? Like, yeah, it's not about anything. Concise, and this one's like, all right, well, the guy, like, things keep happening because he's so attached to his writing, like his physical copy of his writing. Um, and that keeps hurting people. But like, what? What does that mean? Um, it feels like a very obtuse, like, not even metaphor, but just sort of story about like authorship, which like, sure. But I guess, but like, it's, 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 it's vaguely uninteresting. And there's, there's another aspect where like, that character is, I mean, that character is totally uninteresting to me. That, that author line character. Yeah, I agree. That's the, that's the main reason that I couldn't get into this yeah. one. Is that I was like, totally him, uninvested in him. Him and his like, not brother, but friend. <laughs> Some crazy shit in the beginning of this book. They're just like, they're like, yeah, we're going to rob shit. I was like, you guys are crazy. Like, how are you this, like, you need to explain if you're going to be this crazy. And they just didn't. Um, I thought that was weird. Um, so yeah and then he just kills him on purpose and you're like what so it's a little weird in that way I think that that basically I think the atmosphere works fine but I think that overall what the other books have which is like oh this is what this one's about um, and you know here's the like B plot of like why this has to do with a bigger issue or whatever doesn't carry through at all um, which is for me what makes it sort of a laid back one um but yeah, I think that's a, that's a totally fair criticism. Like for me, it was fun, but I, I do understand that you don't like this one as much. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one thing I will say. Yeah. I thought, because there's a circus plot in this one a lot. Um, right, there's an evil circus. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to mention okay. it, which was cool. <laughs> um, circus trains, all great. Um, but my, you said it wasn't very funny, but I I really enjoyed the koala that was a clown and just that like sequence <laughs> that was one of the funniest comic things I've read in quite a while. Cause basically like something else is going on after the koala's act where the lady needs to perform. doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Um, and then it's like, okay, after the clown act and then it like shows you the clown act while the other stuff is going on to like create tension. Like, Oh, the clown act's going to finish soon. Um, yeah but the clown act is just like totally wordless and it's hilarious. It's a koala and clown makeup. And he's just like, <laughs> like this like a dark area, very dramatic lighting. He like turns to one side, turns to the other side. <laughs> and then suddenly he's like sweeping something under a rug. Uh, and it's just like, it's so funny. It's so, so funny. And it's so subtly funny. And I, I just was shocked because I wasn't expecting it. And it, it made me laugh a lot. Um, and then the best part is that after this, there's like a huge panel of the entire crowd just cheering for this clown. And it's like so ridiculous, but I thought one of the best parts uh, and just very funny. Very funny. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think that is very funny. Um, yeah. That was probably one of my favorite, just like black set moments. I was just like, this is just so such a good use of like animal imagery, just like comics in general. And like, I, it was just a surprise, like a fun surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's. I think that's what I have to say. Um, I'm excited for more, but I bet these take forever to make and translate. Um, I think. I think there are a couple out in Spain, but I don't think they've been translated yet. Yeah, exactly. They're a little behind, is what I've known. Uh, but actually, like it's been like maybe two years since this was the newest one. 
and I heard that there was still other one. I don't know, whatever, man. But we'll keep a we we'll keep a lookout. Uh, yeah. And in the meantime, I will collect physical copies because I think they're so great. Yeah, these are. You know, this is still a series that I would heavily recommend, even if I was down a little bit on Amarillo. I would even recommend Am- Amarillo, not in isolation, but definitely like, <laughs> you know, read all these. They're great comics. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyways, should we move on to our weekly sauce segment? Uh, yeah, but the character weekly from Black Sad will not be there. Damn. Nick, it's uh, it's that thing we do each and every week. Uh, when the time comes, it's that time. Uh, let's discuss. Who's the best Beach Boy? Is that a joke? Because I, I actually know. No, I'm, I'm asking you because personally, I don't really know the names of any of the individual Beach Boys. I'm, um, but I'm, I'm sure that you can tell me a lot about them. Because I just recently went through all of their discography again. Um, oh, okay. Like three days ago. So, yeah. Um. I mean, Brian is generally considered the best. Mm-hmm. Brian Wilson, who is, who is you know, for one point or another, the lead. He's sort of the the brains behind the operation. He manages, like, what sounds are going to be around. You know, he, he's, he's in charge. Um, sure. He's largely considered a genius. Um, and he is alive, which is nice. Uh, he's not nice. He, he currently tours separately from the beach. I think he also under, operates under the Beach Boys name, but that's sort of a separate act. Um, so he's kind of the best, but he, sometimes he has mental breakdowns. Uh, I'd say that my favorite is honestly probably Dennis, who is the drummer and brother of Carl Wilson. Um, sorry, Carl, you know, Brian, Carl, Dennis. Oh, okay. Um, he's probably my favorite. He is the most attractive. He's Mm -hmm. George Harrison of the group because, you know, he's underappreciated. He has a very, very good solo album. Um, called Pacific Ocean Blue, which you should check out if you care at all. Um, Remy likes it. I told Remy. I care a little. I'll check it out. No, you won't. Anyways, um, <laughs> he's the only beach boy who was actually a surfer. I think that that puts a lot of points in my in my book. Um, yeah, I like his voice kind of a lot. Uh, and he died, and this is true, drowning. He drowned. Oh. I know. It's it's I just I just think that's pretty legendary for a Beach Boy. Um and so that makes that makes Dennis my favorite. Some may say that Carl's their favorite. Because Carl has a pretty sick voice. Um and he's he's kind of underappreciated too. But I don't mm-hmm. think well there's also a sect of people that would say that like Mike Love is their favorite. And Mike Love is the cousin and notoriously an asshole and you know, got into a bunch of legal disputes and he's the worst at writing songs alone. Um, and he used to sing a lot of the leads in their cheesier days, but he, you know, he has a lot of leads. Um, he's, he's generally considered the worst, but some people really, really like Mike Love. Um, but I think that no one would ever say that Alger Dane is their favorite ever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's, there's some South African people that joined the band for like two years. And then there's Bruce Johnston who replace Brian Wilson for touring for a bit. I don't think anyone would say that he's their favorite. But yeah, I'd say that Dennis is my favorite. Who's your favorite out of those descriptions? Uh, I'd have to also go with Dennis. Dennis. Yeah, he's cool. You should look up you should look up Pacific Ocean Blue. He's got this sick beard and I, I just I think he's a cool guy. I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, sounds like he was gone before his time. He was. Yeah, he died in 84 or 85, I think. Damn. Um, maybe even earlier. I'm going to look it up just to make sure I'm not being inaccurate. Dennis Wilson. Looks like he died late 83. Okay, yeah. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> um, yeah, so sorry for talking about Beach Boys for so long, but you started it, and I wasn't expecting that. Nick, I'm so glad that you talked to me about this. Okay, cool. I finally know who the best Beach Boy is. <laughs> yeah, all right. Should, I, should we close out with a wise, wise quote? Uh, I would really like that. All right, this one is from Thomas Mann. Uh, famous German novelist. Mm-hmm. For passion, like crime, does not sit well with the sure order and even course of everyday life. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Protopappas. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com, where you can send us letters or tell us about books you want to be covered on the show. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. You can uh, buy my webcomic Aeronaut at uh, my Gumroad page. Um, as always, Nick has nothing to promote uh, except for wisdom. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It would help us out. Stay safe and see you next time.